we're going to be uh, doing something a little unique this morning, a little bit different this morning. Um, we've been talking a lot about, um, Haley and I have been talking a lot about just this worship experience. And that sometimes we come in and we get um, kind of formatted to the way things are. We come in and we hear some announcements and we hear some songs and we hear the word and we go on our way. And so what we're going to try to do this morning is experience God. I love the song, Be Lifted High. That our, our God will be lifted higher. And that's what we want our King to be lifted higher this morning. So I want to start with this verse. And then we're going to go back and, and forth between worship and the word this morning. And as the Spirit leads us. So as you feel led to worship, worship in that way. You feel led, uh, let your posture be um, what the Lord leads you to do. So yes, yes. And my name is Luke, uh, Luke Frank. I was here a couple weeks ago. Um, and so I'm, I'm with the, um, the mission right now, we've got the mission, um, but I've had to know Kala really well um, over the next, uh, over the last year or so. Is it on now? Are we good? Yes. Do I have to repeat everything I just said? Okay. But um, I am with the Union Gospel Mission, got to know Kala really well um, through your guys' connection, through your guys' um, a friendship with the mission, and so I have the opportunity to come and, and uh, to share the word with you today. My prayer is that God uses this to encourage your hearts. So I always start with this uh, verse, and when I come to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching are not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Amen. So today we're going to be walking through a relational experience um, as we wrestle with the reality of how we as Jesus followers overcome fear. Um, as our walk with Jesus Christ in our true identity. Um, and the words fear not and do not be afraid um, are mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. It is abs absolutely the number one exhortation in the Bible. Do not be afraid, do not fear, fear not. Um, fear is a present reality in each of our lives. As a matter of fact, I would say probably the truth is each of us have multiple fears that come up during the day. When I talk about fear, I'm talking about being afraid or being worried or being anxious. Um, those all fit into this category. Um, even as I come up here to speak, there's fears that I have. That's why I read that verse. Haley, as she's playing, that's why that is a reality that when we come together, each of us is wrestling with fears. Um, why is fear so prevalent in our lives? Um, separation. Because we are quick to separate ourselves from the presence of God and to elevate ourselves as God, in a sense. So what does separation have to do with fear? Um, throughout our relational experience and journey with Jesus and fear this morning, I think that that, that question is going to be answered uh, for you. If you're hoping for a memory verse to solve fear for you, or if you're here hoping for a five-step solution to solve it for you, or by me coming up and sharing my limited um, intellect and hoping to enlighten you, you're going to be disappointed. 
this morning. You will be disappointed. However, Jesus does provide truth and clarity that can set you free. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here are a few familiar verses among fear that I love the most. Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear for I am with you. As I read these verses, I want you to see the reality of fear, but I want you to look for the presence of something else in each of these verses, okay? Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 34.4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Psalm 27, 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Joshua 1, 9 says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is made perfect in love. So my question to you is, what are you afraid of right now? What are you fearful of right now? What are you worried about right now? What are you anxious about right now? What fear do you have that you can't seem to shake? Now, I'm not talking about the superficial fears, like I'm afraid of snakes. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff or like, you know, being afraid of seeing a donut while you're on a diet or me seeing the cow. I was a Cowboys fan seeing the 49ers in the playoffs. That's not the fear I'm talking about. I'm talking more of the, the deep core fears that influence our emotions and drive our behaviors. Fear can be wrapped up in, in a lot of different forms. We can be afraid or fear the future. We could fear not having enough money, fear failure, fear of not being good enough. We fear missing out. We fear decisions. We fear decisions of others make. We fear who will be president. We fear the unseen. We fear the will of God. We fear death. We fear suffering we might face. We fear what others may think of us. The truth is fear is alive and active in each of us. So how do I know what I'm really afraid of? How do I know what I'm really afraid of at the core? And why is it important that we understand God's truth about fear? What effects can fear have on our lives? Can we actually overcome fear or do we just learn how to live in the presence of fear and cope? Let me say a couple more things before we jump into this next song. Fear moves us. Fear will always move you. It moves us from freedom to bondage. It moves us from trust to doubt. It moves us from presence to separation. 
It moves us from living in our true identity to living in a false identity. Jesus mentions that he calls his sheep, every sheep by name, and they hear his voice and they go to him. The name he gives you, that's your identity. Because each of us are made uniquely in the image of God, the name he gives us, what he calls us, says something about who he is. So even Jesus has names. He calls himself Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Sorry, I got something in my throat this morning. (coughs) So what does he call you? What does he call you? If we're not careful, we slowly begin to believe the lies of fear. And we live a lifestyle of conforming to everything. Like a leaf that helplessly follows the current of the river. And instead of being transformed and allowing him to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can think or imagine, The false identity of fear, guilt, and shame (coughs) is the identity that many of us live in every single day. We know it. We can feel it. We can see it play out in our lives. We hide it. We try to cover it. (coughs) We try to tune it out. But sometimes we need to sit in the quietness of who Jesus Christ is so that we can see and hear the identity that he's given us to distinguish the lies from the truth. (coughs) Excuse me. Lord, we need to see you as you are. Lord, we need your vision. Lord, be thou my vision. So what is fear? Um, I love that song because it brings the focus um, right back to our God. And you're going to see that that's, that's where overcoming fear really gets to the heart of it. And you're going to have to excuse me today. I do have a tickle in my throat. I did develop something yesterday that's in my throat, but I was like, hey, I'm going for it. So I've been <laughs> drinking the tea, but doing the honey, but I'm not really thinking of crying at every moment, but it does kind of sound that way. So you'll have to excuse me. It's a very emotional, uh, it is an emotional topic, but I'm really not trying to cry every second. So Um, when the Bible says, do not fear, it means that we are not to allow anxiety or fretfulness to rule our lives or to take root in our hearts. Fear can become our present reality and our thoughts and actions revolve around that circumstance So dealing with that fear becomes the thing that we seek after, okay? So the real source of most of our fears is that God is not big enough or good enough to notice me or help me. Many times it comes down to a a trust issue. Um, In Matthew 6, 31 and 4, Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles... 
Seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all those things will be added to you. So I want to look at a couple unique passages in scripture. And what I want to do is I want to break down these passages and look at how Jesus walks beside somebody who's dealing with fear. There's a a person that you're going to be familiar with in the Old Testament. I'm going to watch him. And you're going to watch how he deals with fear. When the fear comes up, what's the lie in that fear? What's the truth in that fear? And then I'm going to walk through a story in the New Testament of Jesus with a woman, the same thing. And we want to look for that. When you start to look for that, you start to see that people, <clears throat> we experience it all the time, but all of those that Christ came in contact with were dealing and walking with fear as well. So if you can turn to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple passages. I'm going to um, read three verses 2 through 12, and then 4, 1 through 5. Um, so I'm going to skip around a little bit. <clears throat> but you'll see where I'm going here. All right? So, chapter 3, verse 2. <clears throat> the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see the marvelous sight why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. Okay. And have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I am aware of their sufferings. So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and a spacious land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hevite and the Jebusite. You didn't think that there was rapping in the scriptures, but there is. <laughs> and behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me furthermore. <clears throat> I have seen the oppression of which the Egyptians were oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Now we're, um, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then go to um, chapter four, one through five. And Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is it in your hand? And he said, a staff. And then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from him. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand. 
that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then 10 through 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently or nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or sing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. So let's look at this really quickly. Fears, the lie in those fears, and then the truth. First thing Moses says is, who am I to bring them out? This was a fear of inadequacy. Moses had a fear of inadequacy. I don't feel adequate to do this. The lie is Moses thinks he is bringing them out. But the truth is, God says, I have come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Right? That's the truth. Second thing Moses says, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. What's the lie? Fear of rejection. The lie is, I have no proof that God appeared to me. He said, I don't have any proof. What if they don't believe me? That God showed up. What's the truth? God says, they will listen to you because I am sends you with miraculous signs that will give you credibility. Third thing, Moses says, I can't speak in a way that will influence people. I'm not eloquent in speech. The fear of not being good enough. What's the lie that Moses believed? Moses controls his own tongue and his own words. The truth is that God says, I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you shall speak. Do you see how God, when he's walking with you, there's these fears that come up and there's these lies that we believe and hold on to. And God says, I have a truth in that. Now I want to turn you, turn over really quickly to John chapter eight. Uh, Yeah, that would be awesome. I would appreciate that. Um, if you can read John 8, 1 through 11. Yeah, thank you so much. That is very helpful. <coughs> There's a reason why we are both working together on this. <laughs> John 8, 1 through 11, you yes, said? Yeah. Okay. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery and set her in the center of the court. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. I'm going to read this like I'm reading a kid's story. Sorry. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that he might have grounds, they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. And when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone with the woman, where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now and sin no more. There's a lot in that passage that you could break down 
But I, I want to focus on the fear. Thank you so much. So what are her fears? What are the lies in those fears? <clears throat> and then what's the truth? First of all, there's a fear of death from her. The lie is that I will be stoned to death because I am guilty of adultery. There's a fear of death. The truth is that not one person is present who condemns you, Jesus says. There's not a person here that's going to condemn you. You are free. That's the truth. Now, I guarantee you she did not see that coming. The second thing is the fear of public shame and condemnation. There's a lot of shame that goes on, a lot of fear of the shame of things in our past, in our background. The lie is that this sin defines you and nobody sees you outside of this act. She shows up that fear of shame. And what does Jesus say to her in that moment? All are guilty. He, whatever he wrote, whatever he said, everyone walked out from the oldest to the youngest walked out and he said all are guilty the first person that doesn't have sin go ahead and throw that stone so the truth is that all are guilty and all have sin but all have the choice of being a new creature in christ that is the gospel that god was saying right there in that midst to have her see that i don't see you like the world sees you now he said go and sin no more that's there but how he defines somebody what he calls them is different than what the world calls them. So again, we're going to come back to how do you overcome fear? <clears throat> how did the experiences with Jesus, with both Moses and this woman, what did they have in common? What did it teach us? Do not fear, for I am with you. Almost every verse in the Bible that you read. It isn't just don't be afraid because you're stronger than that. Don't be afraid because I've taught you I'm going to take you through that before. So don't worry about it. He always follows it with do not fear for I am with you. It's about accepting his presence, receiving his truth about your fear as it comes up and choosing to live in that, the truth about that. Is it possible to be present with fear and present with the Lord at the same time? Is it possible to be present with fear and present with the Lord at the same time? <clears throat> I think it's impossible. Because I think you have to make one choice or another. In that moment, you have to make one choice or another. See, when Jesus had been crucified and buried, his disciples went into hiding behind locked doors. They ran from their fears and they ran from their doubts. But what did Jesus do? Jesus walked into the middle of their freeze, or excuse me, in the middle of their fears to free them from that doubt and that fear. As soon as he showed up, what left? Thomas said, he had some doubts. Jesus said, check this out. As soon as he shows up in the light of who he is, the fear, the doubt. But that's who Jesus is. He shows up in the middle of your fears. He doesn't just say, hopefully you figure it out. <clears throat> Read more of this and, and you'll be better. 
He doesn't expect you to live with it. He says, I want you to overcome it. But overcoming it isn't with you figuring out it's me showing up. Now, I want to add a little twist to this. There is a fear that is good. Let me say that one more time. There is a fear that is good. What is that fear? The fear of the Lord. The fear of God. So Proverbs 23, 1923 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. First Peter 2, 17 says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, some people say, well, is, is fear just, you know, awe and respect? Yes, some of those things. But why didn't he use awe and respect when he says fear God? Why didn't he just say respect God, honor God? There's something in fear that he wants us to see. And maybe in our mindset, we've kind of lost some of the power of that. So I'm going to try to bring something out. What does it mean to fear God? Fear and love are both terms found in ancient Near Eastern literature associated with covenant loyalty. Okay, follow, track with me here for just a second. Fear and love are both terms found in ancient Near Eastern literature associated with covenant loyalty. To fear God is to have allegiance to him and consequently to his instructions, therefore affecting one's values, convictions, and behaviors. So to fear God is to have allegiance to him. What is allegiance? Allegiance is loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior. Okay? Or it's loyalty or commitment of an individual to a cause. So if we look at fear as an allegiance or a loyalty to someone or something, maybe this will give us common ground to understand why we are told to fear not and yet to fear God. Okay? Allegiance or loyalty. Check this out. When fear arises concerning my feelings of inadequacy, in case you haven't guessed it, that is one of my greatest fears. When I talk to God and asked him about my greatest fears, one of my greatest fears that came up was I'm not adequate to do, I don't believe many times I'm adequate to do what God has called me to do. That's my fear. So, The question is, before I went to God and spoke to him about those kind of things and and really sought his opinion, I would have stayed on the surface. Snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. God's like, son, 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 son. That's not going to set you free. Go deeper. Now check this out. So when fear arises concerning (coughs) my feelings of inadequacy, the issue isn't that I'm afraid of something. The issue is that fear, this fear is driven by a false belief that myself or others determine my adequacy instead of the truth that my adequacy is in Christ. You guys see that? So my fear, my allegiance, my loyalty is given to a false belief about God. What's that false belief? That, that my adequacy comes from what I do and not from what he gives to me. 
So I have a false belief about God. So my fear, my allegiance, my loyalty is given to a false belief about God. Therefore, God says, fear not because the source of your allegiance is whack. I just threw that word in there. That's not biblical. So when we're fearful or afraid of anything outside of God, when we're fearful or afraid of anything outside of God, we are giving allegiance or loyalty to a superior source when in fact it's actually an inferior source, usually that's rooted in a lie. So the fear of God is about recognizing that he is the superior one. He is the source of all things. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And our allegiance and our loyalty should be fully committed to him. Fear, who you give your allegiance to. That is how we overcome fear with fear. That's how we overcome fear with the fear of God because it's about allegiance, who we give our allegiance to. See, remember I said before that fear moves us. Fear seeks to separate us from the presence of God. So when that fear comes up, it's a question of allegiance. Are you going to walk and sit in that source being like that source of my fear? Now I'm going to, everything's going to be around trying to conquer that fear and I'm going to try to deal with that fear? Or is my allegiance to God saying, I'm not alone. You promised me that you're here and you can speak truth on this fear, this anxiousness, this worry that I have. That's why God's saying you can, you can um, overcome fear with the fear of the Lord. Fear seeks to separate us from the presence of God. It seeks to cut the umbilical cord of life. The fear of the Lord draws us near to God in an abiding and a life-giving relationship. Remember this verse, John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has nothing to do with punishment. The one who fears is made perfect in love. So what's the beginning of this process of seeing the fear of the Lord? It's confession. It's truth-telling. It's being able to say, man, I, I feel afraid today. God, I'm sitting up on this podium and I feel afraid. I feel fearful. What do you want me to know about this fear? What's the lie in this fear? But what's your truth? What do you want me to know? See, John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We have a God that lives in us that that's what he's there for, is to teach us and instruct us. Do you believe that God can help reveal your fears to provide his truth and to give you the opportunity to overcome your fears and start living in freedom? Now, here's the question. Do you believe that? If believing is just intellectual, then a lot of us believe a lot of things. But God says, believing is actually faith in action. That's actually what the word believe means, faith in action. So believing means it's not only that intellectual, oh, yeah, I, I believe that I can hear you and you can overcome my fears, but it's actually like taking those steps to go. We're going to take a moment. Remember, I said this was a relational journey this morning, a relational journey. 
I'm going to spend a couple moments just praying and leading us in prayer. And I'm going to encourage you, if you have a pen, if you have your phone, uh, you can write these things down. But what we're going to do is seek God about maybe what are some of the fears that you have in your life, some of the worries that you have in your life, some of the anxieties that you have in your life that keep coming up over and over and over again. And we're going to seek God because what did John 14, 6 say? He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. We have a God that lives in us that he's like, man, that's, I abide in you. You abide in me and I want to set you free. And trust that God will show up and speak to us. So I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And um, let's see what God wants to say uh, to each of us this morning about our fears, about the lies and then about the truth. I tell you what. Overcoming your fear and being able to see the source of it when it comes up is life-giving. There's so much freedom when you can learn to, to overcome your fears. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. We sit in your presence. We are thankful that you are a God that says you not only hear us, but that you are a God that speaks. And man, the ways that you speak. You speak in so many different ways. I can look out and see your beauty on this drive-in this morning. And man, that spoke volumes to me just this morning. God, you are a God that wants to set us free from the fears that we have. You talk about it all over in your word. You mention it all the times. Every interaction we see of you with your people in the gospels, we watch you go into people's fears and speak truth to set them free. So Lord, you know each person that's in this room. You had a reason why you brought them here this morning. God, my prayer is that you will bring up any fear, any worry, anxiety that each person may be carrying in their life right now. And it's a burden. Lord, would you reveal in their mind, in their heart, what that fear is? What are they afraid of? What am I afraid of, Lord? God, inside of every single fear, there's a lie. Inside of every single fear, there's a lie. Lord, what is the lie in that fear that I am believing, that I feel, that I carry with me every day? What is the lie inside of that fear?
And Lord, more importantly, Lord, what is your truth? Lord, what do you want me to know about this fear, this anxiety, this worry that, I, that I'm carrying on me? What do you want me to know? Because God, that's all that really matters. What is your truth? Lord, please speak your truth to each of us this morning. As we seek you. the beautiful part is that we get an opportunity to walk in that truth we have a lie and we have the truth God and sometimes it's hard to walk in the truth because it means we have to do things differently than what we've done before or we have to trust a different source Who, who has our uh, allegiance? Lord, I pray for that truth that we heard, God. I pray that you will allow us to take steps to say, I'm going to choose to believe that. I'm going to choose to believe what you said to me about that fear. And I'm going to choose to walk in that. Because I'm tired of this fear overcoming my life. I'm tired of this fear having precedence over my life. And I want to be set free. I want to be the person that you created me to be. Lord Jesus, thank you for your truth. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for reminding us that we are never alone and you're always with us. And we ask these things in your powerful name. Amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching to a time of response. While we recognize it may be hard to capture that as you listen online, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect on and respond to what the Spirit might be telling you in response to what you've heard. For more resources and to find out how you can join with us on Gathering on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. And as we say each week, Christ is all and we are His.